anchor. So figure out where is your, in your T shape, like where is your anchor that you can add immediate value in right now because it's what you already have experience with or what you are naturally better at. This is probably related to how you deliver. So as designers, the portfolio is a big piece. The medium at which you present that portfolio might differ. So it could be a website, it could be a PowerPoint slide, it could be a board. For us as designers, we are really evaluated on the rationale behind our design decisions. So. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Look, have you ever thought or wanted or interested in learning how to go into the design field, right? If you ever wanted to build a career in design, well, this is the episode that we have for here to, for you here today. Uh, to talk about this amazing industry or job or career path, I have one of the best guests that I could ever think of for this, and this is Steven Steiner. Steven Steiner is a career coach, and he's also the founder of career coach for designers. So the name explains it itself. And Steven and I connected on LinkedIn. So I'm super excited to have you here today. Steven, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Awesome, Daniel. I'm excited to be here, man. This is super cool. I've been following you for a while. love the stuff that you've been doing. So I'm honored to be a part of sharing knowledge with your audience here today. No, I, I, I am glad that you're here. And I, and I, you know, I think design is something that uh, I wish I was good at, right? Like, and I think it just, you could tell when you're going to like, whether you're using a product or a website or when you, when somebody's actually taking it, like looking at the little details to make things great. And so I think this is an, an amazing career to go into. I think it's one that uh, is going to continue, is going to continue to grow. Um, but we'd love to hear from your perspective. You know, one is Steven, well, what got you to to start your career as a designer? Because you're, you're not only a career coach, but like I look at your LinkedIn and it's like you've worked for Kroger's, Wells Fargo, like just amongst many other great companies. So we'd love to learn more about you and your why you chose design as a career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as you said, it like I consider myself a designer by trade and a coach at heart. Yeah. And a lot of that to me, like when I got into it, when I got into college and kind of looked at what do I like to do, I enjoyed solving puzzles. And when I learned that you could basically get paid to solve puzzles all day long, which is a design problem to have, I went all in. So my background in college was in the School of Library Science. Uh, the degree is called informatics. My parents still think I made it up, but it works. Uh, so if you think about a library in a traditional way of data being stored on shelves and there's a filing cabinet and there's an organization to it, it's doing that digitally. So it's saying how is information being stored and retrieved in a database that we might not visually be able to see? And then what's the interaction for a user to be able to get their goal accomplished? Whether if that's a browsing-based experience to like look at a website or if it's a task-based experience to complete a goal, like ordering an Uber or something along those regards. Uh, that's that's really what I got into is like solving puzzles, loved it, built my way up the corporate ladder doing just that in a way to where it was fun. And then I noticed that what really fills me up is the amount of knowledge I've been able to share with other designers. So through coaching, through teaching, that to me was far more fulfilling so by doing Career Coach for Designers, I'm able to take the knowledge that I love to have and acquire and share it in a way that other people can benefit from it beyond just me delivering as the designer that I'm helping designers achieve. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, let, let's put, let, let, let's talk about a scenario. I'm a designer, right? Sure. Or I have an, I'm an aspiring designer. I want to go into this amazing career path. 
that you just described that, you know, that, that's there. How should I be thinking about it? If, if I'm someone that's looking to pivot into design and I'm six months away from trying to really make that pivot, is there things that I should be working on? How important is a portfolio? Like, is there, how important is having a degree versus certification? I mean, walk me through what I should be thinking about this at this point of my life. Yeah, absolutely. If we envision that like being six months out, kind of figuring out what you want to do, there's the aspects of let's there's three tiers. Let's talk about it that way. There's going to be that structure of like, do you have the foundational knowledge? Right. So like, I'm not here to teach you the skills to be a designer. There are plenty of great programs, great ways that you can learn the foundational skills required to be a designer. The next level is, do you have experience with those skills? Mm -hmm. Right. So specific examples Kick-Ass UX is a great program to be able to learn the skills. Bigger names are going to be things like General Assembly or ways you can like learn the skills to be a designer. Getting experience is kind of that like get into it, get some knowledge to prove yourself out. So there are programs like TechFleet is a, is a great example where you can get apprenticeship opportunities. There's tons of other places where you can go to get real-world experience that shows you have the skills to be successful. And then the third tier, which is what I help designers with the most, is being able to package your story to get what you want next. So if you're six months out, where are you at on the foundational knowledge? It might take longer than six months to get that. And how many real world experiences do you have beyond hypothetical classroom projects? Because that's not as attractive for a, for a potential hiring manager to where it's like, if you get one or two projects that include other people, even if it's like a family friend or a, like a nonprofit, just ways to show you have the chops to deliver. Then it becomes that top tier where it's like, all right, let's work together to package your story and lean into pieces that you love to do so other people can see you on their team. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of different, what career jobs fall under the spectrum of design jobs? Yeah, like I love that you asked that question. What would be the job titles, right? Like if I think about like, I help STEM students, but the majority of my, the students that I work with are either software engineers, you know, they're either data analysts or machine learning or product or project managers. So like that kind of like the main, but what about design? So there's within the designers that I've helped, I see that there's seven different types of designers, which sounds intimidating, yeah. right? So there's seven different types of designers in a way that you have the flashy ones that people talk about the most are going to be, you are graphic designers, which I consider more of the artist, yeah. right? So your graphic designers, they make it look pretty. That's your stereotypical designer. The other one that's flashy to talk about is what people now, now refer to as like the product designer or that UX UI designer in that space where you're not just looking at the pretty pictures, you're also looking at the, the experience around it. Yeah. Uh, and that to me, I look at more as the archetype, like the architect. So the two most popular ones are, are you the architect who's laying out the floor plan and the blueprint, or are you the artist who's coming in and stylizing it? The other five that are supporting that are going to be things around your researchers, your strategists, your authors. So there's content writing is very much a design job. There's also design operations. So the people who are responsible for kind of putting us all in the right places and managing our workload, which project managers also complement a lot. And then that last one is going to be the catch-all, right? That generalist role of like, depending on the size of the company that you're at, there is potentially a chance where you might run the full deal of the design system or the yeah. design process. So that generalist is very much a role. However, if everybody is a generalist, you're not really attractive. 
to be something that hiring managers want on their team, depending on the size. So understanding what type of the set, what of the seven archetypes are you? And then being able to package yourself up to be attractive in that regard and not just one size fits all, which isn't attractive to anybody. So that process- Does that give that to you? How's yeah, that? That was awesome. And that prompts me to two, two follow-up questions. So one, I see in, in most careers that the bigger the company they are, the more specialists they're looking for and the smaller the company, the more generalists. Does this apply in the design industry as well? Absolutely, for sure. Like there are companies that have research teams. There are companies that have design systems creating the components. There are companies that have content strategists who are focused on just being the ones who like write the text. So yes, absolutely. The bigger the company, the more specialized these roles become. They still traditionally fit under the umbrella of being a designer in a creative essence of being used to deliver the product that is in partnership with the people that you already talked about, your project managers, your analysts, your developers, they all collaborate depending yeah. on scale of the company. And then the second follow-up question that I had for you. So you, you, you talked about like graphic design, like UX, UI, researcher. Uh, you know, um, author, design ops, and generalist. I think I think I missed one of them there. But is there a level of technical skills there? Like, if I am, you know, if I'm level entry coming out of college, is there one of those seven career paths that I should be like? You know what? If you're coming out of college, if you have less than you know, don't have a lot of experience, here's a one or two or three ones that you should look into to get into first. Or it doesn't really matter because you can get into like it's not that you can get into but they're both going to be all seven of them are just as difficult to, to break into. I would say the one that in general, they're about equal. Okay. It comes into what do you enjoy doing and what can you consider being your anchor? Got it. So if you're naturally more artistic in nature, the artist path is probably a better way for you to go versus specifically, I am more of an architect in nature. Yeah. So I don't try to be an artist. I try to work with artists to help bring that vision to life. Got it. Out of those seven, the only one that I would say is the hardest would be that strategist role because strategy comes with time and experience. So it's really hard to go straight into being a strategist who can kind of play the full range without actually knowing how those strategies need to be this reminds me so much of when you think about a career in marketing and there's a phrase in marketing called you want to become a T-level a, a T a level mm -hmm. marketer. And I don't know if you've heard that phrase where you have Absolutely, T-level designer. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. So it's like essentially yeah. uh, and, and for all of you who have never heard of this, I'm going to say it in the marketing way and I think Steven you can kind of like explain it more on the, on the designer way. It's like you have all these areas of like of like digital marketing and you have like email marketing, you have social media marketing, you have paid ads, you have copywriting, right? You have analytics, uh, you have search engine optimization. I think I'm missing one or two. And the idea is that you, you, you know enough about each of one so that that makes the top of the T and then you become an expert in one of them, right? And, and that's how you start your career because you can't become an expert in all of them. You're not going to become an expert in all seven of them. But I think... At least in marketing, you become you start going very deep and becoming an expert in one of those uh, pillars, and then you can start expanding the pillars as you grow within your career. Yeah, yeah, we see the exact same. So T-shaped designer, in terms of design speak, it's like how bold is your T, 
right? Wow. So is it a thin, narrow letter or is it a really thick, bold T or maybe your maybe your pool is really deep, but your like dive tank is real deep, right? Yeah, so yeah. like yes, absolutely. Like understanding, do you have a little bit of knowledge across the entire spectrum of early strategy through to delivery of final execution? And then the depth isn't always in the middle. So a capital T, the depth is in the middle. Your depth might be early in the research phase, or it might be later in the high fidelity graphic phase. So absolutely, a T-shaped designer, how deep is your is your deep end is relative to your skill set. And that's why for me, I look at that anchor. So figure out where is your, in your T-shape, like where is your anchor that you can add immediate value in right now? Because it's what you already have experience with or what you are naturally better at. And don't try to lean into stuff that isn't right for you at this point in your career. How would you say that, you know, again, and I understand the recruiting process might differ from company to company and also within the level with, within you are in the corporate hierarchy. But how, how would you say the, the, the recruitment process or the interview process might be differ in a design career versus more traditional career like marketing or business? I would say the difference is probably related to how you deliver. So as designers, the portfolio is a big piece. The medium at which you present that portfolio might differ. So it could be a website. It could be a PowerPoint slide. It could be a board. For us as designers, we are really evaluated on the rationale behind our design decisions. Yeah. So what did you do? How did you get there? Why did you do it? What was the purpose? Because design is one of the most objective industries that you could talk to somebody and they could hate your design, which might be the reason why you don't get the job. If you're not able to defend on why that design was still the right thing to do, it becomes more debatable. Like no one's going to go in and look at a web developer's code and be like, oh, you put that comma in a weird spot. I'm not going to hire you. But design is such an objective thing that everybody has an opinion on that it's really hard without defending it in a way that other people see your thought process. Because I'm not hiring you for the designs that you created. I'm hiring you for how you would contribute to my team. And if I don't trust your ability to deliver, what's the like? What's in it for me? You talked about portfolio and how that's a big, that's an important part. How, like, what advice do you have on building the portfolio or what should be on the portfolio? Or how do you make your portfolio stand now from the other designers who also have portfolios? That was a loaded, like four questions in a row. Let's do this. (laughs) No, we'll go, man. I got you. Um, So where to start? For me, where to start is very much content first. So what I'm saying by that is open up a Word document, open up a Google Doc, and just start getting your ideas in a structured way on paper. As a designer, don't go into the high fidelity pretty pictures until you're ready to know what the story is that you're going to build. So for us, getting down on paper, doodling those ideas out, planning some sort of a site map or a journey around your portfolio is huge. So that's what I would say where to start. Once you feel good on that story, you can make it look any medium you want to deliver it. The second thing that I think you asked was what to include. Is that, am I going on, on track here? Let's go. <laughs> All right. So what to include, there's four things that anybody makes a hiring decision off of. And you probably see this also, Daniel, it's just in a different channel. So the four things is who you are, what you do, how you do it, and where to contact you. So who you are is your about story, right? So who is Daniel? Who is that designer? Whatever it is. What you do is what's in your toolbox. So as a human, you have multiple capabilities to deliver in a lot of different ways. 
as designers, what are you, what can you do? What can you show? What skills do you have? What's your design process? What software do you have? Really representing yourself as somebody who has that dynamic feature that they're looking for. And then how you do it becomes those case studies that everybody sweats over, right? Like two to three really solid pieces of your work that show how you do what you do in one project. No project is going to use every tool that you have in your toolbox intentionally. No project is going to show everything that you're capable of. So showing a couple is allowing people to envision how do you play on their team. Also, the fourth one being where to contact you should be straightforward. Have the ability for them to close the deal. Have a professional piece of contact information, your phone number, your email address, whatever it is. Just be clear about having that ability to get in touch with you. How is that for the four things that you should include on your portfolio to plan around in that content first approach? No, I, I think I love it. But so I have a follow up question on, on the portfolio. I don't know how, how, how you see this as being similarly or different in your resume in a sense of, you know, you have your resume and most people like that. I, I work with a lot of college students who are about to graduate and they come and create like this two, three page resume that I'm like, you don't need three pages. Like you, you like, you don't have a lot of experience. Right. And I think, you know, when, when you're lacking that experience, you think you would need to overcompensate by giving uh, so much, inf as, as much information as, as possible within your resume. And so what happens is that you, you tend to forget that your resume is really kind of like the trailer to your movie. It's supposed to show them like, hey, you have the, the skills required that you can do the job. We want to interview you so that we can get to know you to see if you, if you have, you know, if you can really do those skills, if your resume is really true, but also are you culturally fit? Like, you know, like do you match with the team. And so what happens is like, I, I sometimes have to work with, with, with clients on like, things to take out of the resume that is not relevant to the role that they're applying, right? How much of that also applies in your portfolio? Like, do you want to send somebody a, 10 different projects or do you want to select the top three that are the most relevant for the problem that you're going to be solving in the job that you're applying for? Definitely the latter. So you definitely want it to be Similar, like I love how you're talking about the resume being the trailer. I see it as have your resume be in a place where they want to crave more about you. Yeah. So if your portfolio is represent what you want next, if you have projects that you did not enjoy, but you feel like it could show your skills, don't include it. Right. So two to three, three to five solid projects that really show this is my ability to deliver what I want you to have me deliver for you. Yep. That's the focus. That's the direction. And if you consider yourself a researcher and that's what you want, focus on projects that really embellish your research skills. If you consider yourself more of an artist, show work that's more focused on your artist's skills and maybe summarizes that research occurred. That's not your anchor. That's not what you want. Then don't lean into that in a way that potentially creates more confusion for not knowing where you would fit on somebody else's team. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, one of the things that we do in our program is we we encourage our clients, not more than encourage, like we was like, hey, you guys, this is something really big. We call it a, a potential proof document, you know, because when you think about every single company has limited resources, every time they hire someone, they're making an investment, right? And whenever someone's making an investment, whether it's a company or we personally are making an investment, like an investment to work with you, Stephen, right? Uh, we, we look at two factors. What is my risk versus my reward? And in this potential proof document, we try to like 
it's essentially a mixture of a portfolio that's customized to the company with a cover letter that explains why I want to, why do I want to work at your company more than just the paycheck that I receive, right? Like maybe I'm aligned with the company vision or, or values, right? Um, I also explain uh, why, so why should a company hire me, right? Aside from the fact that I have the skill sets that are required to do the job, right? And then going to the 30, 60, 90 day game plan to show like, hey, I'm going to hit the ground running. But if, if possible, I encourage our clients to go above and beyond. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we had a client who was applying for it to be a podcast producer. So a way for her to showcase that she could be a podcast producer is that she created a three-part podcast series on Spotify, which was free, to explain one episode was why should, nice. I, why should you hire me, right? A second episode was why do I want to work at Sweetfish Media, which is the company. And a third episode was kind of like letters of recommendation from people her professors or bosses, but in like, it, she interviewed them like a, like a podcast. Like, so why should, so why do you think I'll be a good podcast producer? Right. And so that, that's the type of project of creativity. Another example, right. Is uh, I had a, a client who wanted his dream was to work, uh, be a, a video game designer, right? Like a character designer for video games. And so he designed it himself as a character in the for, in the style format of the video game that he wanted to do. And he created his skill gap just like he would, like if he was a character when, you know, when you pick characters and they have different strengths and weaknesses. And so like, to me, those are the type of like projects that you generally wouldn't include in your portfolio. Like you could add them to the portfolio for that company, but you wouldn't that, you know, when he made himself a character for, it was a game for EA, right? He can't go to uh, another competitor and use the same character, right? It just wouldn't work or she couldn't use that podcast to be a pocket to when you apply for a podcast producer for a different company. What are your thoughts on candidates going above and beyond and building projects like that? Do you see that being helpful or do you see that being a waste of time? Before I answer your question, did those two work? So did that woman get the podcast for the one that she did that work for and the job at EA? Like they could do it, but did it pay off? Okay. So for the podcast, she got, she did a podcast and got that job. For the EA one, he got to the final interview, did not get it, but he also was applying for other video game companies. He continued to do it, the character design idea, right? Where he continued, he, it was just, it was a different, different character. He ended up, did getting the job he wanted in an industry that was really hard to break into. So it did work. Um, so to answer your question, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the, the reason why I ask is because there's, the, there's a lot of creative things that people think pay off. And sometimes they don't, right? Yeah. So you see it all the time on LinkedIn where they're like, oh, I applied for a job on Amazon. So I created my resume to make it look like an Amazon shopping cart. Yeah. And it's like, cool, did this ever work? And the ROI is usually no, right? Like the return on the time spent didn't pay off and it's something that's more confusing. So for me, in the context of like, what does it mean for a designer to go a little like that extra yeah. step or to go above and beyond? Some of that comes into what work are you showing in the design. So like, does it really make sense to go in and try to redesign somebody's website without understanding their user or their target audience or like all the metrics that they might have behind the scenes yep. is a little bit harder to do than this is how I produce a podcast. This is how I can do it for you. Uh, so what we try to do is represent work that aligns with the industry that they want. So if they are very specifically wanting to be in the medical space, cause maybe they were a nurse or they were an RN and they're like, I want to be a designer instead. It's like, cool, you have industry knowledge that has transferable skills that other designers can't compete with. 
So how do we reframe your past experiences? How do we show projects that clearly like anchor you in that industry versus the person who maybe has unrelated projects? Yeah. That's the way that I think is the most directly applicable. And if those projects don't exist, how do we potentially identify those to say, I did a similar thing in this space? Would I say go out and do a project immediately for that brand that you're trying to apply for and like redesign their website? The ROI doesn't seem to be there for me because of how much more bureaucracy that happens around the design decisions being made. And maybe that's just me making excuses. Like I haven't, I haven't attempted it to that level of depth to see it pay off. Yeah. You know, so it kind of, it kind of froze down a little bit. So Vale, if you're watching this, I think you need to edit this part out, but, um, so Steven, I think it's interesting because as, um, you know, being myself, I, I, I spent time being as a hiring manager for Pe- in PepsiCo as I was, you know, had the final decision on, on my team and, and whatnot. And now like as being like an own, a, a business owner and having, you know, having now 20 full-time employees and having to go through hundreds of interviews, uh, if not more, just for my personal company, which is like my baby, right? Like I, I take this every person that I bring in. So seriously, I think what I, what I tell my clients is you wouldn't do this for every single job you apply to. Like, I agree in that sense. It's like, Hey, like the return, like the, the amount of time that's required to do this correctly, because if you just half ask this in half an hour, like it could be more hurtful than, than helpful. Right. And so it's not so much about doing it for every single job that you apply for, or not every single job that you make it to the interview. I think it's like, how bad do you want that job? Right. Like, for this particular person, like EA was his dream, right? Like, and it didn't work, but he also didn't have the five years of experience that they were looking for. And it did get him to the final interview. And he actually stayed in contact with the team. And there's like, Hey, when we have a more junior role, we would love to consider you. So he did allow him to build that relationship. Now, you know, you also don't control who else applied for the role. Maybe somebody else who also applied within the final interview was just, that's, 10 years of experience and his just, it, it was hard to fight somebody like that. Um, actually, as I think about this, I think about another design role. I had someone who was a de- a, like a designer and she applied for this role working at an in-home, the, uh, in-home, like they design like pillows or like in-home decor stuff, right? And she created her potential proof document in this scenario where she decided two themes, a beach theme and a desert theme, right? And like she created then, uh, she was designing packages. So like it was for pillows, like like what would go around the pillow and what the label would look like. So that was that was what she was designing for. And I remember her telling me that she went to the interview and she found out that she was interviewing because it was an in-person interview, that the person who was interviewing right after, he had done this at Macy's, right, for over six years. And she was right out of college. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and she went yeah. to school to study fashion. But she's over here applying for a job to design labels for home decor, uh, private label company. And that the manager obviously saw like, hey, this guy from Macy's is obviously the best candidate on paper. But she she saw how hungry she was and, the, and how, how bad that she wanted it. That he was able to go to finance and be able to open up an, a budget to be able to hire both of them. And um, and so she, she didn't beat this guy, but she did get the job too. And they both got they both got it. i guess the company was in growth mode for you know i don't know all the details but they'll ultimately get the role you know what's even funny is that a, a year and a half later she came and messages me and says hey guess what um 
I actually got promoted and now the guy who works at Macy's now reports to me. Right. But I think that just goes, cool. the, the credit goes to her, her level of drive, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. Just, yeah. The, the intangibles, but to, to, to what you were saying is like, I, I think it really all depends on a lot on like, how bad do you want this job and how, to your point, how relevant is this project that you're doing to showcase? And I think it's important. What you said is really important too. Is like, going and designing the website without really knowing all the data behind it to design a good website to make the right it might actually hurt you because you're like this person really doesn't know that you don't design the website just for design you have to look at the data and and see how people are navigating it and what's working and what's not working right um but i think the point that i think why this projects ultimately aren't really effective done correctly is because it shows the hiring manager that how bad you want it how like how you how you're so hungry for this job and for this opportunity and those that's that's sometimes really hard to quantify on a resume yeah yeah i think that i okay i get where we're going with this now i agree with you i think that ability to show a little bit extra in a way that a resume doesn't present that so when you look at a way to show your work there are definitely opportunities to where it's like how can you pitch an immediate thing that gets you more buy-in so if you're looking to get a job as more of a researcher, like what other research may we have done before this conversation? So like there have been people who have prepped for interviews or they're like, okay, how do I talk to people who work at that company? How do I talk about other opportunities or things that they know? Or maybe you go to friends and friends and you're just like, all right, cool. I'm interviewing at, I just used Amazon already. So I'll use it again. Like you're interviewing at Amazon. Like what's something that you don't like? And you're able to do a little bit of like, I did a small research. I created this idea and like, here is a proposal that you may or may not have considered about a way to improve your experience. You can absolutely use that. You can absolutely go to like, here are different ways I've chosen to design this screen with rationale and assumptions and a disclaimer around, it shows that I have this chops knowing that I'm aware of what I don't know. Yeah, And I that know. might be the parallel of like seeing that happen in the design space of not just saying, this is what you should do, but it's more like, this is me knowing what I don't know and making an effort to prove that I can do something. Yeah. And I love like, it's like, you're, you're like, here's my assumptions. And because that all lets them know that you're doing it based on the limited information that you do know. No, I love it. Yeah. Look, yeah. Steven, I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. Like, um, but this is awesome. So before we wrap it up, if, you know, anybody listening to this podcast is, you know, wants to, you know, is a designer, wants to go to a better designing role or wants to break into this industry, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like, you know, what you do, your services and how we can get a hold of you if we want to learn more about working with you and your team? Yeah, absolutely. So the pitch is I help designers package their story for what they want next. So there's three different levels of designers that I tend to work with. The first one being the introduction. So if you are looking at you just got out of your boot camp, your certification, college, whatever it is, and you're sitting on experience that you're like, I just don't know how to get started. I work with that. The second one is the advancer. So if you got three plus years of experience, you feel stuck, you feel unsure, you feel unconfident, you feel lost, let's package your story, get you excited and get you what you want next. The third one is gonna be your transitioners. So if you're coming from a different industry, you might feel like you're a junior designer, but yet you have years of transferable skills. Let's reframe, package that story and get you into this new space. So those are the three design types. It doesn't matter where you are in your career. I've worked with people straight out of the, the certification programs, all the way up to being five to 10 years away from retirement. You all have a story. You're all super attractive in the way that you need to tell your story for what you want next, because there's an opportunity for you. People just need to know you exist. Yeah, love it. So that's, yeah, awesome. No, no, keep going, keep going. Uh, so, I don't want to... <laughs> 
<laughs> no, man, this is great. So that's, if you identify with those three opportunities, the way that you can work with me, careercoachfordesigners.com, we can plug that in again at the end as well. That's where you can find more about my services. The way that I do it is on a monthly subscription service. I want this to be a mutually beneficial exchange. I don't want you to commit to something that you don't feel is going to be worth it for you. There are programs that exist where it's $6,000 for six months. I hope it works for you. There's no way out of it. You maybe had to take a finance loan and you're stuck. That's not what I'm in it for. I'm here to help you get what you want next in a way that's mutually beneficial. So there's three different ways you can get into it. A do-it-myself membership, group coaching, or private coaching. They're a subscription-based service. Come in for a month. You can switch between levels based off of what fills you up. You could try it out. If I don't work for you, I'm not going to work for everybody. You're in it for a month. You're not in it for six months and a ton of money, right? So this whole thing is meet you where you're at, figure out the opportunity that gets you what you want next in a non-linear way. You don't have to follow a path that I have laid out. You can jump to any part within the journey. I have an entire career center with stuff that figures out where you want to go all the way down to negotiating that offer and everything in between. All I want to do is give you access to package your story for what you want next in a way that has helped me as a designer throughout my entire career, as well as other designers moving forward to do exactly that. Awesome. So There's my, we'll, there we go. And scene. <laughs> now what we'll do is uh, we will then put a link to your website as well as your LinkedIn here so that people can connect with you and learn more about all the, Perfect. You're providing. And if you're listening to this, look, I, seriously, if you are a designer wanting to be into the design field or you know someone, uh, please, please share this episode to someone that you think this can help uh, be helpful for. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, obviously, we don't run ads here. Uh, the best way you can give uh, pay us back is just by sharing this with a friend. I leave it as a review uh, that can get this podcast being noticed by more people. But uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening. And, and Stephen, seriously, thank you so much for being here. This has been a great episode. Thanks, everyone, and catch you guys on the next episode.